All right. Well, good morning again, Walk Church. How are you guys doing today? So good to see you. Welcome. Um, as Pastor Hyden said, I'm Pastor Mike, and I, I serve as the executive pastor here at Walk Church. And uh, just so glad to see all of you guys here in the room today. Glad to see everyone who is joining us online as well. We, we're so glad that you are logging on with us, that you're joining us. And uh, hasn't the Summer Set List series been so, so cool? Have you guys been enjoying it? Uh, can we just honor Pastor Wes one more time for the, the word that he brought last week? Such a great word on, on remembrance and just remembering everything that the Lord has done. We're so prone to forget. And uh, also just want to just take a moment and honor Pastor Hyden as well. Don't we have just such an amazing senior pastor and um, just such a kingdom-minded person? I mean, he's out there at, and he's serving at a church in Detroit and uh, just really has a heart to see the kingdom of God expand, uh, not only here in Las Vegas, but throughout our country and our world. And so uh, grateful to, um, to have such a great pastor and Pastor Hyden and his wife, Nina. Um, also, I just, hey, let's, let's just praise God for the rain right now, right? Hey, we need it. We need it. Um, I love that the rain is coming down right now because, you know, rain in, in Scripture is just, it's a sign of God's blessing. Uh, where, where God gives rain, He gives life. And so uh, let's thank God for the, for the desert rain. Amen? Amen. Well, I've, uh, I've been able to pick out a song that, uh, that I've been playing on my summer set list this, um, this summer. And so uh, let's go ahead and give it a listen. You guys are singing it. Come on, let's go. Free. Free falling. (laughs) Oh, man, what what a great song by Tom Petty. Uh, That song hit number seven. Uh, in the top 100 Hot, um, hot 100 uh, Billboard list in the year 2000. Can you guys believe it? That song came out 22 years ago. Uh, but what a great song. And I, I really just want to key in on this idea of freedom, right? We're free fallen. And uh, uh, freedom could just be, really be a great way to describe the Christian, right? The Christian life. Uh, when we fall, we fall into grace, amen? Uh, but we're free, Christians are free people, and when I hear the song Free Fallen, I don't know why my mind goes here, uh, but, but the thing that my mind imagines is um, Spider-Man. <laughs> You're like, wait a second, how? Well, Spider-Man, he, you know, he shoots out his web, and he hits the building, and then he swings, and it's like he's free falling until he hits the web on another building, and he just keeps going, and, and I've just always loved to, to watch Spider-Man, uh, but I, I think my mind goes there because... Um, uh, just because I'm such a, a fan of the, the Marvel comics and the DC comics and the movies and all of these movies that come out, um, I, I just love watching superhero movies. Anyone else in the house like superhero movies? Uh, I don't know about you, but I've always wanted a superpower. Always wanted a superpower. And I remember even when I watched The Karate Kid, uh, I, re- I remember I was six years old when that came out. I know I'm dating myself a little bit. But when that movie was over, I remember going outside, and I was like really ready to do the crane kick on the next little six-year-old who messed with me, but I really thought I could do karate. Anyone else in the room wish that they could have a superpower? Come on, anyone? Come on, anyone bold enough to say what it would be? What what is it? Mario wants to fly. That's a great superpower. Who else? Telekinesis, right? Is that a little Dr. Strange action coming out? What else, what else we got? To be invisible, that's a good one too. Teleportation, yeah, these are some great superpowers. Chris, what'd you say? Time travel. You know what, we got all the same superpowers in the second service as we did in the first. 
Those are some popular ones. Uh, here's a question, though. If you had that superpower, what would you do with it? What would you do with it, right? There's a, there's a podcast that came out a few years back. It's called This American Life. And they asked several people that very question. And, and they really got some surprising answers. Uh, one lady said um, that she would want the superpower of invisibility uh, because she wants to go inside the store and walk out with a cashmere sweater without having to pay for it. That, that was what she said she would use her superpower for. Uh, another guy said that he, he wants the power of being able to fly. And they asked him why, and he said, because I'll never have to take the bus again. And but what, was, what was so surprising is um, that almost no one said that if they were able to have a superpower, that they would use it for something noble like fighting crime. Isn't that surprising? Especially after watching all the superhero movies. But you know what, I think the Christian life is a lot like that. Think about it for a second with me. Our sins are forgiven. The record of debt that stood against us has been canceled. We're free, right? The, the third person of the eternal Godhead, the Holy Spirit himself, is living inside of us. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us, and we are set free from the law of sin and death. I mean, we are free people. And I would just even just say this, just thinking about this idea of freedom, I would even say that freedom is the Christian's superpower, right? I think that freedom is the Christian's superpower. Let's just, just talk about just a few things that Christians are free from. When we look at the Bible, just, just a cursory reading of God's word, we'll find in Romans chapter 8, verse 2. It says, For the law of the Spirit has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. We've been set free from the law of sin and, this is huge, death. We've been set free from the law of death. Jesus said this, he said, he who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And he who believes in me will never die. Never die. For the Christian, check this out, the, 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 the final stages of our last breath on this earth is really the, the beginning of our first breath in heaven as Christians. We will never experience death. And then one day at the resurrection, our bodies will be reunited with our spirits and we will dwell with the Lord forever. We are free people. Hebrews chapter two says this, it says, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, that's, that's us, right? We're the children. He says, he, that's Jesus himself, likewise partook of the same things. In other words, he became a man that through death, Jesus died on the cross for us. Why? that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Christians, listen, hear me today, you guys. We are free. Any free people in the room today? I mean, come on. I think this is something big. We got to praise God for our superpower of freedom. But I'll, I'll tell you this, I've been a Christian long enough to see that there are many Christians that I've seen that I've met who use their Christian superpower of freedom, but they don't use it to do something good, right? They, they don't use it to live the life that God called them to, to live. They, re, they really just take it and they say, hey, I'm free. We're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. I get to live for myself and do what I want to do, and, and, and I don't really feel that I'm constrained by anything because I'm free, so don't harsh my mellow with your rules or anything like that, but I'm a free person. 
And I just want to just, just say this, that when, when, when we act like that, and some, there's some Christians who do, right, that, that we actually end up looking a lot more like the world and a lot, like, a, a, a lot less like the church should actually look. We, we look like, more like the world and we look less like Jesus. And so I just want to encourage you this morning that Christians should use their superpower, right? We should use our freedom by following the Holy Spirit's leading in our life to say no to sin and to live like Jesus. We need to live the supernatural life of freedom. And so I want to bring a sermon to you today uh, on a familiar passage. You guys are probably familiar, familiar with it. It's from Galatians chapter 5. It's on the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, it's really a sermon on, on how to live the Christian life. It's a, it's a sermon that I've entitled, Use Your Superpower for Good. Amen? Use your superpower for good. Let's use our Christian freedom for good. Are you, are you guys ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. If you're hungry, say, let's eat. Let's eat. All right, pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Father, I pray that you would come into our presence right now, God, even as I pray. Lord, I even just reminded of the song, that when you walk into the room, the darkness starts to tremble at the light that you bring. And so, Father, right now I pray that you would shine your light brightly on the pages of your word. God, that they would come alive in our hearts and in our minds. God, that you would open our eyes to see uh, these amazing truths that you have for us in your word. And God, that today would, would, would for someone, God, that it would really be a, a key that just unlocks something for them on, on how to live the Christian life, how to live the life that you've called us to live, a life of freedom, a life of being led by your spirit to live a life that pleases you. Help us today, God, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now look, maybe you're here in the room today and, and you're saying, hey, I know I'm supposed to live the Christian life, I just don't know how, right? Listen, I just want to encourage you, today is for you. Maybe you're in the room today and you're saying, hey, I, I'm pretty good at living the Christian life, I've, I've got it down. Well, listen, today's for you too because this, this scripture is a daily thing. Repentance and, and really following the Lord is really a daily practice that all of us have to follow. So let's go ahead and read from Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Here's where it starts. He says this. He says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. There's our word. We're free people. He says, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit. Hey, we, we love these walk verses, don't we? Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. That means they're obvious, right? He says sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, 
rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Like, check this out, you guys. The list is not complete, okay? You got it? So if you didn't find your sin in here, then just go ahead and insert. <laughs> All right, right here. Things like these. He says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Amen. Amen. I think, yeah, we just, we get to just clap for God's word. God's word is so powerful. But um, let's just see if we can find a few keys that are just going to help us unlock something in, in living the Christian life. One of the themes that I see as I read this passage is I see that there's really a theme of the Holy Spirit. Did you guys see that? Did you guys catch it as we read it? In verse 16, Paul says that we walk by the Spirit, and to walk by the Spirit is really just a metaphor to say that that's how we live our life. The Christian life is a life lived by the Spirit of God. And then in verse 17, Paul says that the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. Verse 18 says that we are to be led by the Spirit, and verse 22 says that the Spirit produces fruit in the life of the believer. You see, as Christians, we're called to use our freedom to love one another, and to serve one another. And, and, and you know, if we're honest, that's, that's really a difficult thing to do, isn't it? Because the natural man, the natural woman, the natural person really wants to serve myself. I really want to love myself, but God's word through his spirit calls us to love other people and to serve one another. But when Jesus sets us free, the Holy Spirit empowers us and leads us to live a life that he calls us to lead. So let's go ahead and Let's just go ahead and make that our first point this morning. Point number one, the Christian life is a spirit-led life. The Christian life is a spirit-led life. And that's, that's one of the things that Paul has been telling us. If you read the book of Galatians, uh, he, he, he's been telling us that uh, in, in Galatians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, he says this. He says, because you are sons, and read their sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. You see this, this word Abba right here is, is really, it's a Hebrew word that denotes uh, almost kind of what a, a child would say to their daddy, right? And, and, and this is the Holy Spirit of God, but look at one of his names. It's the spirit of his son. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts and, and now that spirit inside of us cries out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave but a son, I love that. We're, we are sons and daughters of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And he says, and if a son, then an heir through God. I just love the fact that God calls us his sons and daughters. We're no longer slaves to sin. Instead, Paul says we live the Christian life by being now led by the Spirit of God. Not, not in a slave relationship, but in a son and daughter relationship. And I think that if we're not careful, this, this point can really get lost on us pretty, pretty easily. But I just want to stop and pause for a moment and think about who is this that is taking up residence in our heart? Who, who is this spirit that now lives inside of me and cries out, Abba, Father? This is the Holy Spirit of God. 
right? The, the person who takes up residence in the life of the believer is the third person of the Trinity, of the eternal Godhead, the one who had no beginning, who has always existed, who was there in the beginning at the, at the creation, and really was the power behind the creation of the entire universe. He, he's the one who raised Jesus from the dead. The Bible says that that power is now living inside of us. Isn't that amazing this morning? And the result is a supernatural life. I'm just reminded of John chapter 16, verse 7, and this is actually the night before Jesus was crucified. It was the night that he was betrayed, and Jesus has been telling his disciples that he's going to go away. Right? He's saying, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to go away. But then he says this in verse 7. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. I just want just to highlight this word advantage right here. He's saying that this is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. Do you see how this is capital H, helper? This is saying that the Holy Spirit of God, one of his names, is helper. He says, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Isn't that amazing? Jesus said, look, this is going to be an advantage to you. Uh, let's look at what this word advantage means. I'm pretty sure you guys understand what it means, but here's here's what it means. Advantage is a position of superiority, right? This is a supernatural life that we live, and uh, we're in a position of superiority because of who it is that dwells inside of us. One of the definitions is a factor or circumstance of benefit to the possessor, right? We have the benefit of having the Holy Spirit of God who lives inside of us. He's an advantage to us. He's a benefit to us. I don't know if you, if you guys uh, remember that, um, that sermon that Pastor Hyden preached uh, at the Ascension right after Easter. Right? He preached the sermon and he said that Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. But when he did that, he passed the baton onto the Holy Spirit, tagged him into the game, and the Holy Spirit came down to the earth and he empowered his people and he empowered his church for ministry. And I, I love that church. We have... An advantage. The Christian life is a supernatural life. Now, I think it's interesting that we are called free people, right? I mean, that's one of the main characteristics of a Christian, but it's not as though we don't follow someone, right? I mean, think about it. As, as Christians, we still follow our Lord. You know, another word for the name Lord is master, right? We still follow Jesus, the, the, the Christian life is a spirit-led life. We follow the spirit in our life. That's what verse 18 says. He says, um, he says that we are led by the spirit. But I, I just want us to take a look at verse 13 for a moment. I think this is really interesting. I think you guys might find it interesting as well. Paul says this. He says, you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. He says, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. Now, now this isn't immediately obvious in, as we read it in English, but, but the, the Greek word that Paul uses right here to serve is the word doulos. And, and some of you may know what that means, but doulos is just a word that means slave. All right? Hey, you're called the freedom, but what are, what are you supposed to do with your freedom? You're supposed to use it to serve one another through love. Paul actually just takes this Greek word doulos and he, and he just switches it into a verb and he says, hey, this is what you should do for one another. This is, this is how you should act and treat each other in relation to one another. It's through love. Even though you're free, you now have the freedom to serve. 
Amen? We have the freedom to follow the Spirit's leading in our life. And so I think it's interesting that we're not slaves, but we still serve. We've been set free, but we still follow our master. And I I was just reading a a book not too long ago. It's a book called Surprised by Grace. And it's uh, it's got this really amazing story in it of of a northerner during the time of the Civil War. And slavery was just um, beginning to come to an end. The war wasn't over yet. But um, as part of uh, this man's effort to go down um, and really free slaves, he go, went down to the south and he, and he found a, an auction where he could buy a slave and he wanted to purchase a, a slave girl. And so he began to bid on this, this girl at the auction and he made sure that he won and finally at the end he won the auction. He was able to take possession of the girl and what he did was he started heading back up north. And as they walked back up north, they finally got to a place far enough north where it was safe. And when he got there, he turned to the girl and he said, he said, you're free. You're free. And she looked at him confused and she said, you mean I'm free to do whatever I want to do? And he said, yes, you're free to do whatever you want to do. And she looked at him again and she said, free to say whatever I want to say? And he said, yes, you're free to say whatever you want to say. And she thought about about it for a minute, and she said, free to go wherever I want to go? And he stopped, and he said, yes, you're free to go wherever you want to go. And then she looked at him intently, and she said, then I'll go with you. Then I'll go with you. You see, she she saw that that, that this man, out of the kindness of his heart, out of his love, had gone down to, to really set this young lady free. And I really think that that's how the Christian life is right? We're free people, but we realize what God has done for us. We realize that we've been bought with a price, that God sent his son to die on a cross for us, that we've been purchased with the precious blood of Jesus. That's the way the Bible says, not through gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Jesus. And when we understand how much God loves us and the price that he's paid really to set us free, we go, we go like, like this young lady and we say, then I will follow you wherever you go, wherever you lead me, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it because I know you're good. Amen. Amen. So I just want to encourage you, how can, we, how can we really follow the Spirit's leading in our life? Now, that's one thing to say it, but how do we do it, right? I think that there's a really simple way, a tried and true way. It's, it's easy to say, it's hard to do. Um, but I would just say this, you, you know, you, one, of the, one of the keys is just to sit down with the Lord at some point during the day. Open up your Bible, get out a, a pen and a piece of paper. Uh, I, I know we're living in the digital age, so may, maybe pull up your device, your, your, your iPad, your computer, whatever it is, something that you can take notes on, and then just really just get with the Lord. And as you read his word, do it in a way that's prayerful. Do it in a way that, that, that you're saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I really believe that as you do that, I really believe that the Lord will show you what he wants to do. He'll show you where he wants to lead you. And, you know, the, the Lord may lead you to do um, something hard. He may lead you to, to reconcile with someone who you have a problem with or who has a problem with you. The Lord may, may call you to forgive somebody who's, who's harmed you, right? The, the Lord could, could definitely ask you to do something hard, but I think that, that because we know how good he is, I think that we're, we will be willing to do that. Uh, but one of the things that I can guarantee that the Holy Spirit in, is going to do in your life is he's going to lead you 
to, to say no to the sin that's in your life, right? One of the names of the Holy Spirit is, is the Holy Spirit, right? Let's just put emphasis on the word holy. And so his desire for you is to make you holy. And so let's just go ahead and make that our second point this morning. Point number two is that the Spirit will lead you to say no to sinful desires. All right, did, did you guys know that the, that the Holy Spirit of God has a desire for your life? Did you know that he has a will for your life? Right, right. We, we just said earlier that God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, and that we're no longer slaves, but we're sons and daughters of God. We belong to the family of God, right? Well, I don't know about you, but just like any good family, uh, any good family is going to have family rules. They're going to want to raise their kids in a certain way. There's things that we do, and there's things that we don't do. I had the uh, the privilege of embarrassing my, my 10-year-old daughter uh, during the first service. She was sitting right up front, and I just said, Honey, we have family rules in our house, don't we? And, uh, and she knows what the family rules are. You know, she knows that we're kind to one another. Uh, that's, that's a rule that we always tell the truth, right? That, 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 that bussies are hard workers, that we don't cheat. You know, just, there's just a lot of, lot of things that our kids know that are part of the family rules. And, and it should be no surprise to you then uh, that God has some expectations for his children as well, right? And um, verse 17, Paul says this. He says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. And these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Right, this leads us, uh, really, there's really like a, a wrestling match going on inside of us, isn't there? You have these two very powerful forces of, of, of the flesh, that that's just our sinful nature, and, and, and yet at the very same time, you have the Holy Spirit of God, and they both have competing desires, and there's this wrestling match that takes place in the life of, of a believer. I came across this, this quote, it's kind of a funny quote, and I, I don't know who said it, but here, here's what he says. He says, there is an eagle in me that wants to soar. And there's a hippopotamus in me that wants to wallow in the mud, <laughs> right? Can anyone else relate to that? It's like, I know I want, I really want the best, but at the same time, there's something in me that just, it doesn't want to soar. It wants to wallow in the mud. And let me just pause for a moment and just, just say this, that, um, that as long as we're living on this side of heaven, right, we're, we're all still going to face and just battle these sinful desi- desires that are, that are in us. Right? Before we came to Christ, we, we, we really had no Holy Spirit inside of us restraining sin. We just did whatever we wanted to. And then when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our hearts, but we still have these sin, sinful impulses and desires living inside of us, don't we? And so that's why there's this war. And until we graduate from this life into the next and we get a resurrected body uh, that's free from sin, we're always going to have to fight this battle. We're always going to have to fight this this war. And um, just as we take a look at like, okay, what, what are the works of the flesh? Paul gives us this list here in verse 19. Here's what he says. He says, the works of the flesh are evident, right? This just means that they're obvious. Um, and again, the flesh is really just our, our sinful nature that we carry into our Christian life. And um, here's the sins that he lists. The first three are personal in nature, right? He says, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. We could just classify these as personal sins. And then he expands it to religious sins. He talks about idolatry and sorcery. What is idolatry? Idolatry is really just anything that we place ahead of God in priority or importance. 
And really, anything in our life could be an idol, right? I mean, our job could become an idol. Our boyfriend or girlfriend could become an idol. Our husband or our wife could become an idol. We're we're placing them ahead of God. We're giving them priority. Our kids, that's one of the biggest problems in our days is that our kids become idols. We say they are the most important thing. They're more important even than God, right? Sometimes influence or uh, just making money or the sport that you play or whatever it is, anything can become an idol. And then the other religious sin that, that he mentions here is sorcery. And sorcery is just really... Uh, any kind of a spiritual practice that's outside the bounds of what God allows in his word. And so just some examples of sorcery, I think, that would fall under this category today would would be a lot of the new age practices that you see. Uh, A lot of people falling for for these new age practices. Looking to horoscopes rather than looking to God for your future, right? That's a big one. That would would fall under this, this class of sorcery. The occult, right? A lot of people out there who want to communicate with dead relatives or spirits, like instead of going to their God, right? Here's what God's word says in Isaiah. He says, why would you seek the dead on behalf of the living? He says, to the law and the testimony, you should seek from your God. Should you not inquire of your God? Don't inquire of, of spirits and dead relatives, God is saying to the law and the testimony, get back to the book. We're people of the book. We should inquire of our God. And so these are religious sins. These are all considered to be works of the flesh because they're, they're trying to trust in something else. They're putting their hope in something else other than God. And then the last one, I think this is really interesting, but the majority of the sins on this list are what we would call community sins. They're sins that we commit against one another. I think, it's, I think it's interesting that, that Paul takes up, he spills more ink on the community sins than he does on the personal sins, right? And, he, and here's what he says. He says, uh, enmity, which is hostility or hatred. Strife would be a disagreement. Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, that's a strong disagreement. Divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. When I read this list, the sense that I get is almost like a sense of chaos. It just feels chaotic to even read the list, doesn't it? Envy, drunkenness, bitterness, like like this um, fits of anger, disagreements, all of these things. It just seems very chaotic. But he says this, he says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is really a, a strong warning for us today. Listen, Paul isn't saying that if, if every once in a while you experience a sense of jealousy of someone, that, that you won't inherit the kingdom of God. He's not saying that, that, um, that if you experience a fit of anger at some point, that, that you're not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. But what he's saying is this. He's saying that if this is the pattern of your life, if, if we were to take a, a snapshot of your life, that this would be one of the things that defines who you are. He's saying that, that, that you can be sure that you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so I just want to just ask you, this is a great warning. Hey, the the scripture's warning it. I don't necessarily want to do it, but since it's in the scripture, I'll issue the warning to you. I think that it's always a good time when we come across a passage like this just to examine our life, right? Just, it's helpful. It's beneficial. Examine your life, the Bible says, and make sure that you're in the faith. 
You know, one of the things that we experience as Christians, I don't know about you, I don't think I'm the only person in the room, but when I do something maybe that's on this list or, um, and things like these, right? Things that aren't on this list, I do things that I know are wrong or I have a temptation to do something that I know is wrong, I get this thing, it's called the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Anyone else ever get that? Either after you do it or before you do it, it, it stops you. It's kind of like a warning light in your car, right? You're driving along and all of a sudden the car starts beeping and, and there's a yellow warning light that has a picture of an engine on your, on your dashboard, right? It's kind of like, hey, if you keep going without making a change, without doing something, if you keep going in this direction, your engine is going to blow up and you're not going to be able to go anywhere. You're going to make a wreck of your life. You know, maybe the, the tire gauge comes on and, and you have a low tire, but you just keep on driving anyway. You're going to get a blowout and possibly get killed on the freeway, right? It's like it can really lead to a dangerous place. And that's what the conviction of the Holy Spirit is in our life. It's something that we should pay attention to. And I know we all have sinful desires and passions, but it's really how we respond to those sinful desires uh, that matters. Amen? I, I want to just put this reality statement up on the screen. And here's what it says. It says, having sinful passions is not the test of being a follower of Jesus. Thank the Lord we wouldn't pass. Right? But it's how you respond to those desires that marks out the difference between those who follow Jesus and those who merely say that they follow Jesus. Right? In, in, in other words, I've heard Pastor Hyden say this, your character has to match your calling. Right? We, we can't just say that we're following Jesus. We actually have to follow him. Take a look at, um, at verse 24 with me. How should, we deal with, how should we deal with those passions? He says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Room's getting a little bit quiet. You guys still with me in here? Okay. <laughs> Don't leave me up here by myself now. I know this is a little bit of a tough, tough portion of the message. It's going to get better, right? We have hope. We have a Holy Spirit who's leading us. Praise God, he's leading us to get rid of sin in our life. <laughs> but I, I love the way that Paul is just drawing our attention here to the crucifixion of Jesus, right? He, he's saying, you see how they crucified Jesus? Do you see how swiftly they just grabbed him and put him on the, on the tree? How harshly they treated him? They gave him no mercy. They dealt with him decisively on the cross, drove nails through his hands and his feet, and put him up on the cross to die. Romans were very good at executing people on the cross. And what Paul is saying, look, is when you encounter these sinful passions and desires in your life, that's how you're supposed to deal with it. Don't feed it starve it, deal with it decisively, harshly, swiftly, without mercy. Don't entertain it. Don't flirt with it. Get rid of it, is, is what he says. And just to get back to the idea, uh, the idea of our, our superheroes and superpowers, right? We shouldn't use our superpowers to, to steal cashmere sweaters, and we shouldn't use our Christian freedom as an excuse to continue sinning. We've been set free to follow Jesus and to serve and to love one another. And so by way of application, let me just ask you, ask you this. How, how is your relationship with your sin? Let me just, just stop and think about it for a second. Are you at peace with your sin or is there a war? Are you at war with your sin? Listen, the Christian life is not a passive life. We don't just sit back and go, well, I guess the, that temptation will go away someday. No, no. The Bible is calling us to actively go to war against our sin. 
It's a life of actively saying no and to our sinful desires and to follow the Spirit's leading in our life. And I just want to encourage you if, you, if you struggle with a certain area of sin in your life that you just haven't been able to, to overcome, I think that one of the keys, one of the, the keys that can help us just unlock experiencing freedom in that area, I really think is just is, um, not only going to God's Word to know what God says about it, but finding a brother or sister in the church, somebody who you know, somebody who you can trust, and to share your struggle with them and to ask them to help you overcome that area of, of your life in church. Can I just tell you, there's so much power there. There's so much power within the body of Christ to help each other overcome. And God wants us to be overcomers. And as we're led by the Spirit to say no to sin in our lives, Paul tells us that we will begin to produce fruit and our lives will look a whole lot more like the life of Jesus. So let me just make that our, our final point today. Uh, the third point is to, uh, that the Spirit will lead, lead you to live like Jesus. So point number one, the Christian life is a Spirit-led life. The Spirit will lead you to say no to your sinful desires. And finally, number three, the Spirit will lead you to live the life that looks a lot like Jesus. As you read the Gospels and you just begin to examine the life of Jesus, you see, that, uh, you see a picture of a man who really possessed the Spirit in all of its fullness, didn't he? At Jesus' baptism, we see the Spirit of God descend on him uh, like a dove, it says, and, and, and the Spirit of God remained on him throughout the, 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 the remainder of his, of his ministry. And really, there never was a person like Jesus who experienced love and joy and peace like Jesus did, right? Uh, there, never has there been anyone in history who was more patient and kind and that had more self-control than Jesus. And listen, that's the same spirit that's, a, that's alive in us. So it shouldn't surprise us that the Holy Spirit will produce in our life that same fruit that we see in the life of Jesus. Let's go ahead and take a look at that list in, in, in verse 22. Paul says this, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Listen, if the life of the flesh of rivalries and jealousy and division was a chaotic life, isn't this such a beautiful picture of calm and harmony, right? It just sounds so peaceful even just to read that list, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of these things. There's a calm, that there's a spirit, there's a serenity uh, that the Holy Spirit brings to the Christian life, just when you look at Jesus, you know, Pastor Hyden has, has pointed out many times that when you read the Gospels, you never see Jesus running anywhere, right? He's never in a hurry. Jesus is never stressed out. He never has anxiety. Jesus was a, a person of calm. He was a person who trusted his Father. He followed his Father. Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father do. I only say what I hear my Father say. He followed his Father perfectly, and yet he was such a man of peace. And I think that's what true freedom looks like. No matter who you are in the room, no matter what your social status is, no matter what your job, it doesn't matter. If you have the fruit of the Spirit, then you're a free person. Uh, I like what Augustine said. Augustine, the the fourth century church father, uh, if we can just pull that up on the screen, it says this. This was what Augustine said. He said, he that is kind is free, though he is a slave. And he that is evil is a slave, though he be a king. I just think that is so amazing that we can experience true freedom no matter who we are, no matter where we come from, no matter what our social status is, we can experience the superpower of freedom that the Holy Spirit gives.
Amen. That's a great place for a clap. Let me just mention a couple more things about uh, the fruit of the Spirit, just, just two things that I want to mention. Number one, uh, the fruit of the Spirit is supernatural. It's supernatural. What, what does that mean? It just means that you can't produce the, spirit, the fruit of the Spirit in your own life. So if you hear this message this morning and you say, I need to walk out of here and I need to produce some love and some joy and some peace and some self-control in my own life, then you're missing the point of the message. The point of the message is, is that as you follow the Holy Spirit, is that as you starve the works of the flesh and you feed the Spirit in your life, that the Holy Spirit is going to produce fruit in your life. And here's what it's going to look like. Amen? He's going to produce fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And so that should produce one thing in us. I think that it should produce is humility. Right? Humility. If, if God is the one who produces the fruit of the Spirit in your life, then why would you have pride in the Christian life that you're able to live? right? It should produce humility. And um, the other thing that I just want us to notice here about the fruit of the Spirit is that Paul uses this metaphor of fruit. Right? I, know, I know that today we go to the grocery store and, and that's where we get our fruit, but I do trust that you know uh, that fruit doesn't just show up in the grocery store on the back of a truck. It actually takes time to grow. Did you guys know that? I'm, I'm pretty sure you did. Um, but when I was growing up, my mom used to grow strawberries in our, in our backyard. Uh, she actually had a whole garden, but the strawberries is what I remember because I didn't like tomatoes. But um, it was really interesting just to walk out in the backyard in the summertime and just to see these strawberries growing. And, and we would go and we would help her pick those strawberries and we would find the nice, beautiful, red, plump strawberries that were soft. And, and there really is nothing like eating a homegrown strawberry from your own backyard. You know what I'm saying? And, and um, one time I, I remember that I... I picked the strawberry that was actually still green. It wasn't ripe yet. And um, it was hard. It wasn't, it wasn't the same color as the rest. It was, wasn't soft. And, and when I took a bite of it, I, I realized that this, this thing is really sour. This, this strawberry is sour. And, and, and I'll never forget what my mom said to me. She said, honey, it's just not ripe yet. You see how these are red and this one is green. It just needs more time. It needs more time. We just need to continue to, to, to clear out the weeds and feed it. It just needs a little bit more time in the sun. And, and you know what? At some point, the strawberry is going to be ready. It's going to be ripe. It's going to turn red just like all of those other ones. And so one of the things I just want to say to you guys this morning is if you're here this morning, and, and this is a little bit of a, um, a discouraging message, I don't want that to be discouraging to you. I want it to really be encouraging to you. I do want it to be a challenge, but I want you to be encouraged that, that the fruit of the Spirit is going to grow in your life, and it grows gradually. Just know that. If you haven't reached a place of full maturity in your life of, of all of these, the fruit of the Spirit, then I just want to encourage you by saying be patient. It just needs a little bit more time in the sun. It just needs a little bit more weeding, a little bit more feeding, and the Holy Spirit is going to produce that fruit in your life. And so be patient with yourself. Amen. And here's, here's the challenge. The challenge is this. When somebody that you know frustrates you because you really think that they should be a lot farther along in their Christian walk, you should be patient with them too, <laughs> right? It's so much easier to be patient with yourself and give yourself grace than it is to give someone else grace. And so I just want to encourage you, especially in, in our church as we look around, and we should have high expectations of one another, but when we let each other down or we don't, we don't um, exhibit the fruit and maybe we exhibit some of the works of the flesh in our life, Give grace to that brother or sister. 
be patient with that brother or sister and help them along. Do some, help them do some weeding. Help them do some feeding. Get them some time in the sun. And just believe the best for everyone and that God is going to bring that person to maturity as well. All right. Well, one final thing I think that we can do is um, Jesus said that we are actually able to ask for the Holy Spirit. And um, Luke chapter 11, verse 13, he says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give, you the, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's a promise from God. And so maybe as we just even examine our life today and we're saying, you know, there's a lot of the fruit of the Spirit in my life that just is still not ripe. <laughs> you know, it still hasn't made it to maturity. I think that we can really go to God and just say, hey, God, would you just shine the sun on this a little bit more? Would you help me feed this? Would you help me weed this a little bit more? And God, would you bring this to maturity in my life? And, and the promise of Jesus is that the answer will be yes. Amen? The answer will be yes. And we say all the time here at Walk Church that the Christian life is not a, it's not a sprint. It's really more of a marathon. It takes, it takes, it takes time. It's, you don't have to go A to Z all at once. You just have to go A to B. And, and then you go B to C, and then you just keep going. And I think that that's the way the Christian life is. That's the way, the, the way that the fruit of the Spirit grows in our life as well. Well, Paul is telling us that the Christian life is a life marked by freedom, uh, but that we use that freedom to follow the Holy Spirit's leading, to say no to sin and live like Jesus. Friends, can I just, just be honest with you and just, just share with you this morning that, that if, not, not just here at Walk Church, but if, if all of the churches around the city and around our country and really around the world, if all of them were able to take this message and, re- and really apply it, really to, to get rid of the works of the flesh from their life, and really to ask the Holy Spirit to, to grow the fruit of the Spirit in their life, I really think that the world would have a, a different opinion of the church. I really do. I think that the church would have a better re- reputation. One of the things that Jesus said is, is he said, you will know them by their fruits. And I, th- I think that really applies to churches as well. And so I, I really just want us to strive to, to live this out. And maybe you're here today and, and your life just looks a, a whole lot more like the, like the works of the flesh side that we read. And you don't have any real evidence of saving faith. There's really no love for God. There's no peace of the Holy Spirit that he gives. There's really no joy in the, in the things of God. You really lack self-control. And at the same time, you really don't show any of the fruit of the Spirit in, in, in your life. You know, maybe, maybe that's you today. I, I don't know. I'm really glad that you're here. Um, but if, if you hear this sermon and you think, okay, well, I just need to do more. I guess I just need to come to church more. I guess I just need to read my Bible more and do more. Then, then you're really missing the point of the sermon. You don't need reform. You actually need renewal, right? You need to be born again by the Holy Spirit, and that comes by placing your trust in Jesus. It comes by, by looking at your life and really realizing all the things that I just said and, and, and saying, hey, I'm going to stop going this direction. I'm going to turn, and I'm going to start following Jesus, and I'm going to trust in him and the sacrifice that he made for my sin on the cross. And the Bible says that when you do that, that God will remove your heart of stone. He'll give you a heart of flesh. And he'll give you everlasting life because he'll take up residence in your heart and you'll be born again. You'll, all of a sudden, you'll have new desires, right? You'll have, a, you'll, have a, um, you'll have new affections. Like all of a sudden, you'll start to realize, hey, I, I really love God in a way that I never have before. 
hey, I, I'm, I actually want to say no to some things that I used to do because it just doesn't feel right anymore. That's when you know that, you, that you've been saved by God. When you've turned from your sin, when you've trusted in Christ, and when he really starts to change your heart. So I just want to encourage you to do that today. I just want to encourage you to, to trust in Jesus, that God sent his son to die for your sins, and he loves you so much. I think he's worthy of, of following. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you so much today for your word. God, that you, you don't just tell us what to do and what not to do. But God, what you, God, what you command us to do, you actually provide the ability to do. God, you call us to, to say no to the, to the works of the flesh, but you, you empower us with your Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, and you empower us to overcome those sins in our life. And God, that you produce the fruit that you want to see. And so God, this morning, I pray that you would do that in our church. I pray that you would do that to everyone who hears the sound of my voice, Lord. God, whether in person or online, God, I pray that right now that you would help us. God, that you would help us to apply these words. God, help us to follow the Spirit's leading in our life. And God, I pray that right now that the Holy Spirit would produce fruit. God, it would be a hundredfold fruit. God, you're the one who has to do the work. It comes from you. And we're asking you to do it today. You promised that you would give your Holy Spirit to those who ask because you're a good father. And so we pray this morning that you would give us an increased measure of fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.